Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Well, there's only one way to uh, start this episode. With audio of a horn interrupting us. Because we started with the Red Wings lightning game and ended with the probably some of the most fun Red Wings fans have had online all season. Every default horn or honk gif on Twitter was used multiple times on my timeline. It got to the point where I was seeing people who are like barely related to Red Wings Twitter tweeting things like, why is horn trending or why is everyone tweeting about a horn right now? (laughs) Evan actually happened to be watching the game on mute and had absolutely no idea. If there was one game for me to not watch on mute, it was probably that one because I didn't understand anything going on in social media. Which, I mean, is a huge departure because Evan usually has such a, a, a firm pulse of uh, yes. what's happening on Twitter and social media. Oh, boy. Uh, well, more on that in a second. Um, for those watching on YouTube, you're going to see Brad struggling with parenthood in the background, which is personally hysterical for Evan and I. He's he's in a good mood, so I, I think I'm I'm all right. He's just uh, bouncing around on the bed with his uh, cup. So, um, and I, Crystal's going to be home any minute now, so I, I think I'm all right. But, you know, such is the parenting curse you think you're in the clear on anything and it goes sideways in a hurry yeah of course right evan yes i know it's the worst isn't it we know all about that thing well with your stories about uh how abby just doubles down on bad situations i know you can at least relate a little bit yeah abby's a good window abby's like a a free trial as to what a kid would be it only ever lasts for a few minutes and it's not ever as bad as it as it is but it's definitely like a lens into how stupid can this child be abby is not my child she is a dog uh but has the probably i'd say the intelligence of a two two and a half year old and we'll never get beyond that so just slightly ahead of hank then anyhow as he uh, almost falls off the bed as i say that yeah well He's got a he, he's got a big soft head to land on. <laughs> As you hear him <laughs> struggling in the background. And with that, uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Hank's dad. And I'm Evan. Uh lots to talk about on this episode of the podcast. First and foremost, we'll be talking about the Red Wings, their game against Tampa Bay last night. We're recording on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, so between the two uh Tampa games. And uh We'll get into what happened there. Spoiler, it's a story you've seen before. Some other storylines surrounding the Red Wings, trade interest in Mark Stahl, uh, some notable movement in uh, Red Wings prospects in Europe. But then most importantly, and this is going to be quite uh, a hefty episode for this, uh, news from around the league, draft lottery, the actual draft, and UTV deal coming through. All of it happened in one episode. So as it usually is the case, Uh, With the NHL, when it rains, it pours. So we'll be diving into all of that before overtime. All right. Red Wings versus Lightning. Larkin's first game back looked great, had a great goal. And I want to talk actually more about that goal because oftentimes people ask about, you know, what does a change of a shot angle or what does like subtle deception look like? And I thought that was a really underappreciated goal. Um, Going into the third period with a lead, 
3-2. Um, surprisingly, they didn't lose it in regulation. I was fully expecting a regulation loss, but they ended up dropping the game in overtime to the Lightning. Yeah, so overtime, I guess moral victories do still count this year. <laughs> I got um, not a lot, truthfully. Um, it was good the Red Wings held on with Tampa. Um, Tampa didn't look quite themselves if we're being honest, because the only red wings to me that really stood out that game were Larkin and Zadina. Now those are the exact two guys you want to see stand out. So no complaints there. Um, but yeah, pretty uneventful game overall. I think the horn was the highlight of, uh, the first half of that game, at least, uh, some of the typical Red Wings bad habits crept in, sitting on a lead in the third period, just mental lapses in the fundamentals of hockey. Like a, a bad line change literally cost them the game in overtime by two players. And then the two-on-one was defended horribly that led directly to the winning goal. Again, this was a pretty good microcosm of the Red Wings season where, yeah, they did some really dumb things. Yeah, some players we expect to do some really good things did. Uh, a lot of guys left us wanting, and overall, it was just a pretty unmemorable game, other than for the honks. So, the the, the storyline started before the game, and that was with the news, which honestly, I wasn't surprised by. I don't think a lot of people were surprised by it, but some, I guess, were still, I don't know, maybe just more angry about it, which is completely fair. And that's uh, Evgeny Sveshnikov still in the lineup, but a healthy scratch. So still in the roster, not sent down to the taxi squad or anything, but healthy scratched. And here's where I fall on this. And I've talked to a couple people about it, too. This was coming. Doesn't matter which way you shake it. With Larkin coming back, with players slowly becoming more healthy, like if you look at the top six from last night, like this was going to come. It was going to be Sveshnikov at some point. Even if it wasn't initially, he's going to get rotated in and out. Do I agree with that call? No. He's played four games. He has four points. He's on a roll. Keep the guy rolling until maybe you see him peter out a little bit. At that point, then yeah, absolutely you know, bring him in and out through scratches. That's fine. That's perfectly reasonable. Is one game worth losing your mind over? Honestly, there might've been a time where I would have been more upset about it, but how long have we been doing this with this coaching system? I just don't have the energy to get upset about a game when it was going to happen regardless. And it's not, that doesn't mean I improve of it, but it, it like, it's going to keep happening as long as this is the coaching team in place. And as long as this is the coaching philosophy in place or management philosophy, I guess is more fair to say in place, this is going to happen with Red Wings fringe gray area, whatever you want to call it. Players like Svechnikov. I just don't have it in me to, to be upset about it every night. He'll come back in and I'll lose my mind. If he doesn't, that's when I'll choose to be angry. I'm just, I'm too, I'm literally too tired right now. I, from your standpoint of, it's pointless beating this dead horse because this dead horse isn't going anywhere. I agree fully. Like, this is nothing new. This has been his entire five or six years. It's going to be the rest of the season and however long he's still here. But I'm going to use Blashill's own argument three weeks ago against him. Where someone asked him about Svechnikov, he's like, I'm going to put him in the lineup once there's a spot. And I'm going to give him eight minutes. And if he does something with eight minutes, I'm going to give him nine minutes. And if he does something with nine minutes, I'm going to give him 10 minutes. Basically saying, hey, earn your keep and, and you'll stick around. Is, is almost verbatim what he said. He, he lied. 
straight up, he lied. Um, I don't want to come up with a snarky, sarcastic joke with it because uh, in Svechnikov's defense, it's a bit of a raw deal. And Svechnikov did everything that was asked of him. Did it well. Did it well above expectation. Um, and still got pulled from the lineup despite getting low amounts of ice and outside of being put on the second power play unit, not a whole lot of favorable situations. And he did excellent with it. Now you can make the case, should Bro maybe be pulled out of the lineup? Well, his counting stats suck, but he does the little things that Jeff Blashill appreciates. So fine. Luke Glendening, face-offs, fine. But there was a handful of guys that you could easily make the case that should have come out of the lineup for Svechnikov. I would even argue Brome shouldn't have been in the lineup over Svechnikov, and we've been a Brome apologists all year. Um, It's just, it's just, Blashill's coach speak, dishonesty, and just general, like, it sounds harsh, but general cluelessness is just wearing on me. Like, if you're a, coach whose decisions I disagree with that's one thing but a coach who doesn't tell us anything and then when he tells us stuff it's it's a lie or it's not true or it's just double coach speak that means nothing it it's just frustrating and I don't expect any of it to change I I know you said the time to get angry about Svechnikov is when he doesn't come back into the lineup he's not if there's not going to be an injury because he shouldn't have never been out of the lineup um, I don't know. And the more I watch Blashill, I wanted to get into this, uh, do a deep dive on this tonight, but clearly with all the other news, we don't have time, but Jeff Blashill is that employer who puts on his requirements for a job posting that you require five years of experience for an entry level position. He's the, That's, he's the NHL coach version of that. The thing is like, that's common. It's more uncommon or it's more notable when we see a coach who doesn't speak with that, you know, double coach speaker who doesn't give these guys a hard time. Like there is a reason why people latch onto a few different coaches and covet them so badly because they they do things like stick players in the lineup and give them the grace and the patience of making some mistakes or or developing a little bit over time or putting them in situations to succeed. We're frustrated with Jeff Blashill. But I don't think the nature of the frustration is necessarily unique in the NHL. And that's where a lot of my, like, it's not a, like I, I would prefer a different style of coaching. I'd prefer, uh, for sure, I'd prefer Sveshnikov to be in. It's funny because the two players I advocated for to, to, to cycle out, because Blashill's rationale was, well, Larkin's back, so that's Sveshnikov's power play time gone. And Blashill, Blashill really liked Brome with Rasmussen and Gagne. And as long as Rasmussen is up, because he's going to be up and down, because he, he'll be easy to send up and down, that, that that's actually perfectly fair. Like, I, I don't necessarily agree with the call, but like, yeah, that's totally reasonable. Um, the two players I was going to advocate for were Brome and Ernie. And then I saw that Ernie had power play time. I was like, well, give him Ernie's power play time. Ernie does nothing on the power play. And what does Ernie do? With has a beautiful finish on the power play. Like pulls the puck to his forehand and then beats the best goalie in the league or one of the best goalies in the league. And I was like, Well, there's that. That's this game. You can't you, what are you what else are you supposed to say? That's it. I mean, if you look at hindsight being 2020, but if if we're looking at how that game went. Versus who would have been a candidate to pull out of the lineup and then, you know, insert Suchnikov. I, I mean, I'm going to get hate for it, but the answer here is Darren Helm. 
It, it's literally Svechnikov's position. He had no positive impact on the game. And Darren Helm doesn't have a future with this team. Like we all love Darren Helm, but he's 30 something years old on the final year of his contract where he's a UFA. Even if we resign him for another year, great. But th- that ice time is more valuable to Svechnikov. And again, I, even though the quote when it came out was stupid, when Blashill said, like, I'm going to give Svechnikov eight minutes, I'm going to give him nine minutes and see what he does. I actually got excited. I'm like, okay, I disagree with that uber slow approach, but thank you for telling us what the requirements are, what we should expect to see. And we saw that through the first three games. So we're like, okay, Jeff's true to his word. And then Svechnikov lived up to his end of the deal. And it didn't matter because Blashill, and again, like you said with the other point, this is true here. This is not a unique Jeff Blashill problem. It's not as common as it used to be, but still common around the NHL where the wrong things get valued on the ice. Darren Helm wins puck battles. Darren Helm doesn't miss defensive assignments all that often. Like the little details of the game that you learn over years and years in the NHL, which when they talk about veteran experience, this is the stuff they're referring to that you learn by doing on the job. It's not easy. It does take time. And when guys like Helm and Glenn Denning and all these guys learn it, it's valuable because it's hard to do that stuff in the NHL because you're doing it against other NHL players who also know how to do that stuff. But that crap gets way overvalued. The even if even if Svechnikov isn't a dynamic player, his puck handling ability, his touch around the net, his shot, his vision gets should get priority over what he lacks. Like if you told me right now I have to pick Svechnikov or Darren Helm to go into the corner and win a puck battle, I'm picking Helm. Like obviously he's way better at that stuff. But if you tell me I have to pick someone in just about every other aspect of the game. I'm picking Svechnikov right now because what's up in the NHL this year? Goal scoring, offense, create offense. Darren Helm, love him, but he's a black hole for offense. So I don't think this is necessarily Blashill being wrong in what he's arguing. I just think what he's arguing is the wrong thing to be arguing. Take the dynamic players and teach them to do what Darren Helm does. This is getting back to my five years of experience for an entry-level job. You want Svechnikov to do what the Helms and the Glenn Dennings of the world do. He needs to do it. Put him on the ice. He's not learning that shit in practice. Um, so again, I'm beating a dead horse and I could go on for hours getting into even more detail about this, but that's just my grandiose point is he, he he's right about the things that these guys are better about, but he's wrong about how it impacts the overall game of hockey. We tried, Evan. We really did try. I do remember that. Yes, we've I been, read that uh, message. <laughs> we've been trying to take a little bit of the uh, grammar, correct Brad's grammar offline because sometimes it's just needlessly cruel. And, <laughs> and so, when he messes the, it up again, we have yeah, to now, ramp up the uh, the the hand slap. Yeah. So, uh, what Brad meant to say was his grand point, not his grandiose point. Although inadvertently he's he's almost correct in the definition but we won't get into that right now i didn't know the difference either until ryan <laughs> corrected you so much so now nobody I know. nobody knows the difference on 90 percent of this ryan is that guy on reddit correcting people's grammar that everybody hates i, I don't do it on reddit i just do it on a podcast with my <laughs> friends um so the here's here's my thing and we're gonna wrap up this point after this 
Sveshnikov is out for one game. Before you hear us uh, next, there will be another game on Thursday night against Tampa and on uh, a 5 p.m. game on Sunday the 14th against Carolina. I have to assume Svechnikov is going to be in for one of those games. We'll talk more then. I'm not going to cry about it for now. Um, I talked about the Larkin goal. A lot of people always ask, like, what do you mean by changing the shot angle or what do you mean by deception or what can you do? Look at what Dylan Larkin does in this goal. First of all, he recognizes that he has space, so he doesn't have to work so hard to protect the puck on his stick. What does he do? He he sets the puck to lay in the perfect spot for him and he hovers his stick over the puck, does a little wave back and forth to throw Vasilevsky, masks his shooting angle. He's not telling Vasilevsky how he's primed to shoot. And then when he puts his stick down to shoot in one quick fluid motion where the start of it almost looks like he's going short side, goes across Vasilevsky's body to the left side of the net in the perfect spot and beats him. Vasilevsky is not an easy goalie to beat. A couple people said, well, Vasilevsky was out of position. Watch it and watch it again. Larkin put Vasilevsky out of position. That was an excellent, excellent goal. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, for Larkin to miss time and come back and do that, like what a nice reminder that he is still the best player on this team right now. Just a fantastic goal to watch. This is a good example. And Larkin's actually one of the better players in the league at this particular skill. And and watch closely. Joe Valeno coming up is also really good at it. Um if you want to teach your kids how to be good, especially if they shoot left, teach them to control the puck in front of their body and then change the shot angle by bringing it out wide like Larkin did and then going over the pad. When you hit your spot, that is almost impossible to stop because the goalie has to play the angle of the puck because they don't know what way you're going if the puck's in front of you, right? Like dead set in front of you. And then pulling it over to your forehand outside of your body and hitting that spot quickly it's it's a perfect move. You see Jokinen set records in the shootout with that exact move. It is near impossible to stop. It's, it's all about changing the shooting angle. With Larkin and a couple other guys in the league, they're really good at the in front of their body and then quickly pull it to their forehand and snap it. Austin Matthews, for example, changes the shooting angle, but his strength is the opposite. He holds it way out in front of his body and then toe drags it into his body to change the shooting angle. That's how you throw goalies off because they have to play the puck because if they don't play the puck, they're giving you half the net to shoot at and any good shooter is just going to take that. So it's Larkin truly is one of the best in the league at that. So to see him being just like getting back to doing that was a relief to see because I, I think I might have even tweeted about it last night. Like last night was probably the first game this season where to me Larkin looked like Larkin. We saw flashes of it throughout the season, but last night he was flying around the ice, going like laps around the offensive zone, in and out of traffic. He had a couple bad giveaways, but he didn't play for a while. He was rusty. Fine, that's going to happen. But he he looked like the Dylan Larkin we know, which has not been the case all season. So it was refreshing to see, um, like I said earlier in the episode, Larkin was on his game. And then you combine that with the fact that Philip Zadina had another very strong game. I mean, if if there's not a ton of positives to take away from that game, there's two right there. And those were, again, the two biggest positives the Red Wings need to see right now. I, I even, when Larkin was about to score the goal, I was like mapping out a tweet like, man, I think we're getting close to the point where we can make a case Zadina is the best player on this team, like full stop. And then Larkin does that and reminds me that, no, you're an idiot. Zadina's top two or three on this team, no doubt. Uh, but this is still Larkin's team. Yeah. Um, 
another a third good point third silver lining fifth straight game with a power play goal yes how far we've come yeah uh it's almost like when they cycle the puck down low and run the power play through zadina good things happen it's weird so much credit to this team i've seen so much more of this the past four or five games they use the seams that they create they they move it's not some static cycle and it's creating opportunities i have to stop myself from clipping every time they uh they they just have a good passing play that just ends up in a save but it's still a fantastic pa- passing play and you can tell because everyone's saying like oh wow that's a great passing play from detroit meanwhile if you're a fan of like the lightning or the leafs or the bruins or something you're like that was a chance that we are used to seeing <laughs> well the brain point power play goal that that was the play detroit's tried a hundred times this year and hasn't succeeded on yet it was down low to the bumper quick shot goal textbook it, like people were ripping on detroit's defense there but I'm like, what do you do on that one you either pull someone way out of the box and way out of position therefore leaving someone else wide open your only hope is to time the pass perfectly, which when you're as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning are, you can't. I know Bobby Ryan's tried it a lot this year with Gagne. It was good. Um, that's truthfully the biggest change in the Red Wings power play, why it's been successful lately, is they are getting the puck down low a bunch more. And case in point, that's how we they scored the power play goal yesterday. Zadina put the puck wide down low to Ernie. Ernie realized he had space behind him and took it. It was perfect. Like, it's not complicated, but it spreads the defense out, and it it was great. Uh, obviously, they gave up the lead in the third. Just one goal. So, I mean, as far as giving up leads goes, that was, you know, within a, a reasonable um, – it was a reasonable lead to give up. And in overtime – Just don't take a screenshot of the moment Chernak got – No, no, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. We won't, we won't be doing that, Brad. It's okay. That was, we can't be – <laughs> Can't be sad all the time. Uh, overtime, there's some good control both ways, but then a couple pretty rough changes. Tampa Bay went and um, capitalized as they do on three-on-three hockey. It only takes one small mistake or just one good bounce and three-on-three hockey is over. Honestly, when people are like, Ryan, what are you looking for if not for wins? That's a game where I'm all together. I can walk away and say, here are three to five things that certain Red Wings of the team altogether did well. Did everyone do well? No, absolutely not. They would have won if that was the case. That's We have to work within the realm of reality here. Do I want to see other players do different things better next game? Yeah, absolutely. There's It's never going to be a full list until it's a good team. But that was a game where, just to wrap up this topic, I felt good about some of the things the Red Wings did. 3-2 loss in overtime to Tampa. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine by me um some other red wings news there is some reporting on whether uh our players at toronto is looking to add and believe it or not among the list mark stall there's no way that there's no way kyle dubas does that there's no way uh kyle if you're listening please don't stop don't take him we we need him we need him he is a the gold standard of a shutdown defenseman. He is completely propping up Troy Stetcher a thousand percent. It's it's night and day, and it's absolute not the opposite of that. Mark Edward Vlasic, Mark Stahl. They're both named Mark. That's all the analytics same you people. Need. The same person. Yeah, prime Mark Edward Vlasic and Mark Stahl. You can't even tell them apart. Um, some other news about the, uh, Red Wings, uh, Alvin Greva is finally committing to coming over to play for, it's the Saginaw Spirit, right? In the Saginaw, OHL. Yep. 
which, which is a good sign that the OHL season might actually happen. Although there's something coming up in Europe with the transfer deadline, which I think might have more to do with it. But either way, if there was going to be no season, he wouldn't have bothered. Yeah, exactly. So good sign on two fronts and probably a good move for Greva. Is he at the top of the Red Wings, you know, prospects to be excited about list? No, but this is a good opportunity for Detroit to get both a closer look at him, uh, a little bit more control in his development because he'll be closer to Detroit, quite obviously. And uh, who knows? He'll adjust to the North American game and we can go from there. Uh, Sider and Johansson continue to dominate in Sweden. Um We'll probably dive a little bit more into prospects overseas in coming episodes, but there's just so much league news league news right now that I think we should probably jump into that. Well, a couple that are very relevant to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. So first and foremost, let's start with the date of this upcoming NHL draft. Uh, there were a lot of questions about when it would be because it was supposed to be this July. Um, and there was a lot of talk about the NHL and any certain owners and GMs and scouting teams and the NHLPA even um, wanting to move the draft to either December or next January or do a double draft next year. There's just a bunch of options on the table. Um, we'll lay it out first. They, there were a lot of people, I would say the majority of hockey people were advocating for this to happen. Um, and it was for a good reason, I believe. I don't necessarily agree, but the reasoning was – you need to give these kids a chance. You need to give them a chance to play. Like think of the kids in the OHL. Think of the kids who aren't stars, who really need every single game in their draft years to be scouted. Um, you need to give them a chance to play and prove themselves. And you just don't have that. And not only that, scouting teams are like, we don't have anything to work off of. Like past the first round, what are we supposed to do? And that's really where a draft is won or lost. Um, but in the end, there were just far too many logistical hurdles for so so many reasons you know roster restrictions deadlines contracts everything that comes with this it would have just been far far too complicated and so the result is the draft is staying on its uh planned date this summer in july which i think we agree i'm not actually i don't know where you fall in this evan but i think brad you and i agree that that's probably for the best you're talking about the draft date right yeah yeah, it's just like there's too many pieces that need to fall into place, like with the the PA, and it screws up all of the the contracts and when people uh, would become free agents and restricted free agents. Like just those the dominoes that have to fall after you move the date is just it's way too much. Like you got to just eat this one, and and I, there's going to be obviously GMs and teams that are not happy about it, but unprecedented times roll with the punches yeah i mean if you've been doing your work you're not going in blind you've had a full year of these guys or close to a full year the amount of players that aren't playing is pretty overblown the ushl has been running in some capacity the ncaa has been running almost all of europe has been running the qmjhl has been running it's really just the ohl and the whl that are getting screwed um that being said a few of their players are have been playing elsewhere and it does look like well the whl actually just got underway and the ohl doesn't seem like it's going to be too too far behind even if it's going to be an abbreviated season i think it was a right move this is a complicated confusing year and the whole point of this season was to clean up this season basically as quickly as possible so that they can go in with a fully vaccinated fresh start to next year and thus as of 
September, October, we're back to quote unquote life as normal uh, in the NHL and by the NHL's calendar and schedule. Delaying the draft throws another huge wrench into that. I don't think there was much of an appetite for that. Um, I think it was the right move. Um, there obviously are disadvantages. Video scouting isn't the same. Teams hate it, and that sucks, and I had no argument here. Um, yeah, you're going to have – with less travel, though, they will actually get a chance to look at more players, right? Because you take out travel time, you can watch a bit more video, cover a few more leagues, et cetera, et cetera. So might unearth some more diamonds in the rough that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been. But this does create a unique situation where the opposite is going to happen, where there are guys who are like we always talk about Joe Valeno, like how he's a slow developer. But once he gets it, he gets it. So players like him, if there's any in the draft, this sucks for them because they're going to plummet down the draft board because they did not get the full amount of time to get the full head of steam that they would need. Um, Where this could be advantageous for teams is A, if you have a good scouting department, and B, you have a boatload of picks outside of the first round. Anybody know any teams that fit that description? So I heard I, the Pittsburgh Penguins have a lot of picks. This yeah. <laughs> I think they have two. So if you're sitting here and you're a Red, Red Wings fan upset about this, I wouldn't be. I, I think that having three second-round picks, two third-round picks, Red, Detroit's in a great spot. There are going to be really good players available in those rounds. And and most years, there's a couple players in the second and third round that you can pluck out, but there's probably going to be more than that. All, like, for example, there's a guy that plays here in Kitchener. I'm really high on, obviously, he plays in Kitchener, got to watch a close look, biases all hell, but a guy like Francesco Pinelli. When I watched him in his 16-year-old year, I, I, I'm like, okay, he's 10 to 15 on my draft board. And then I'm looking at most mocks and he's, you know, early to late thirties on most. Well, the Red Wings are going to be picking in that range. So like, he's just one example of a guy that they could grab there that might not otherwise be there. I think elite prospects had Pinelli in the top 10, but I digress. Um, so it's going to be a bit more of a scattershot draft, but outside of Brant Clark, look at the top of this draft. Owen Power's been playing. William Eklund's been playing. Luke Hughes has been playing. Matt Beneers has been playing. Kent Johnson's been playing. You, they're getting looks at a lot of guys. And then to factor in one more thing to the Red Wings that could be an advantage here is, and I think when we had J.D. Burke on here, he even referenced this, but the Red Wings might have the best European scouting department in the league. Uh, their North American scouting department, the last uh, in recent memory at least, has left a little to be desired. Well, if you're unsure of what's going on in the WHL with a bunch of teams missing in the UHL, USHL, and the OHL, maybe that you you lean heavier on Europe this year just out of comfort and familiarity. Okay, well, that sits perfectly okay with me because I want Hawk and Anderson making as many picks as possible for this team. So if, if he's sitting there at pick number one, two, three, four, five, and like just smashing the table for William Eklund, and they're like, okay, well, we've seen him more than other guys. We'll take him. If he's sitting there at like, you know, pick 32, banging the table for Stromgren or someone else, great. Like, whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying these are the guys they should take necessarily, but if it's a draft where you go with your comfort zones, I mean, Hook and Anderson's the guy. So no complaints here. 
So uh, maybe conversely, and I'm not, I'm not sure really how this fits in, but you mentioned the guys that are getting a ton of exposure, the players at Michigan, you know, Matt Beniers is probably topping a lot of lists right now, pretty close to it on mine. And I think yours too, Brad, um, there's a lot of exposure to those guys. So you're looking at a situation where maybe the Red Wings would have been high on those guys regardless, because obviously Michigan's right there. They have a really close relationship with that system. It's a fantastic hockey program. Um, a lot of connections to current Red Wings players, quite obviously their captain. Um, this is now maybe another situation where if the Red Wings want their guy and he wasn't the number one rated one, number one or number two rated kid on the board, they still have to land a really high lottery pick because they're probably going to be drafted higher. The chances of them slipping is a lot lower because of that overexposure effect. Just yeah. thought. Yeah. Like I'm fascinated by what happens to a guy like Brant Clark. At one point this year, he was number one on my board because I was basing my list largely on um, their U17 seasons. Brant Clark didn't play for a good chunk of the season. And now he's playing in like a second tier men's league in Slovakia which is hard to get a read on. He looks great over there, but that's not like it's a tier two Slovakian league. Uh, hard to get a gauge. So I could see Brant Clark still cracking the top five. I could see him going 15 just cause guys are like, ah, can we really, can we really invest this high of a pick on a guy we're not sure about? So it does create problems. And again, just like I mentioned with the Red Wings, it's do you swing for some guys who are bigger risks, but you think they've fallen way down the board like a Brant Clark, like a Francesco Pinelli, or do you pick the guys that you have seen? But conversely, if you've seen them, everybody's seen them. So it's going to be a truly fascinating draft. And as a podcast host, the storylines that this is going to create going into the draft and the uncertainty, I am absolutely here for yeah not even just as a podcast host as a draft nerd brad you're going to yeah. be geeking out for months oh, yeah. um yeah and the good news for for those uh for the listeners is that um when the season wraps in oh god early may uh we're gonna jump right into our turn full tilt into you know draft coverage we're gonna be start our profiles will likely actually be started by then uh and they're we'll gonna be probably up- be started pretty soon <laughs> Uh, actually right now we're going to, no, I'm kidding. Um, we're going to be kicking that up. So that is a little bit of normalcy that maybe you guys will be happy to have back as opposed to last year's never ending draft coverage season. (laughs) It was like eight months of coverage. I've never been so well-versed for a draft. Um, anyhow, let's move on to the other draft news, which was the, and none of this is confirmed. It still has to be, uh, approved by the board of governors. And as we've seen with the NHL, they have a tendency to change things a million times before deciding, but there was a memo circulated, uh, for a proposal to change the NHL draft lottery rules just in time. I would say just kidding, but the best time was, you know, however many years ago and the second best time is Still, however many years ago, and the third best time is now. Uh, the proposed changes are um, teams are going to be limited to two lottery wins in a five-year period. So if they win the lottery for any of the lottery picks, doesn't necessarily have to be first, um, you're limited to two in a five-year period. That would start not this lottery, but next year. So 2022. Um, so the one thing I didn't understand about this, and Ryan, maybe you read somewhere else that was a little clear. So the... One of the part, other parts we're going to talk about here, which is it's only two lottery spots starting this year. That's the yeah. one change that takes effect this year. 
if a team wins the lottery this year, I was to understand that counts as one of their five. Yes. I thought that only, so uh, let me list. I could be wrong. I thought this year was not counted. Yeah, they counts. Okay, because I know the two lottery winners starts this year. For yeah. at least according to Friedman, but then yeah, that other part was a little unclear. But yeah, Could Brad's hot in the yeah, Brad's hot in the pants. Actually, it's funny, Brad, because I think I got this info from something you retweeted. <laughs> um, Perfect. So the the three changes are uh, two lottery wins in a five year period max. Teams are only allowed to jump up ten spots as opposed to you know theoretically from whatever four thirteen spots or whatever it is, um, and then a reduction in the amount of actual lottery picks. So currently picks one, two, and three are decided by a lottery, and now it'll be picks one and two. It not, so, freezing because it's not picks one and two. There's only two lottery balls drawn. So if pick fourteen wins, they jump up to right, pick right, four. right, 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 right. Yes, sorry, which sorry. could be that's exactly right. Because hypothetically. If the Red Wings finish dead last this year, if Buffalo doesn't out-Buffalo them, and picks teams 13 and 14 win the draft lottery, the Red Wings pick first, and in that scenario, that would not count as a lottery win towards future seasons. So, like, way out there theory never happened due to odds. A team could pick first overall five years in a row if teams far enough down win the lottery. Like, the odds of that are astronomical, but... It is possible under the system, and I did see clarification on that. So, okay, let's say your team, New York Rangers, and you are the last lottery team. You're the closest to the playoffs, and you move up 10 spots. That doesn't count as a lottery win? That counts as a lottery win. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That counts as a lottery win. So, like I said, the wor- there is a scenario where teams 13 and 14 win. They jump up to spots three and four, so the team that finished last and second last don't move. They still pick first and second, and that does not count as a lottery win. So they could still win the lottery twice in the next four years. So go ahead. How many whiteboards do they, you think they use to come up with this? It's literally just, Carol. Um, no, it's always sunny in Philadelphia in front of the board. It's a thousand percent that scene when they were, you know what? NASA was, you know, trying to put new satellites around Pluto, you know, take pictures of, uh, the outer solar system? No, they got dragged in to the NHL draft lottery, and that's where all the budget's gone this year. And this <laughs> um, is what we got. So I'm going to clarify a couple of the nuances of those three points. So first, the only one to apply for this upcoming draft lottery is two lottery balls are being drawn instead of three. The reduction to only jumping up 10 spots and the... uh no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. Those start next year, um, which is good. Another aspect of this, so Brad mentioned that the same team could draft, you know, top or first overall pick however many years in a row if it keeps being, you know, theoretically teams 13 or 14 keep jumping up. Another aspect to this is let's say a team wins two lotteries, they jump up. And let's say in the third year, they've already used their two and five years. Let's say in the third year, they're actually the worst team in the league. They can still technically keep that first overall spot or the second overall spot. If they don't get bumped out, then they keep it. They don't get artificially bumped out. They would have to get bumped out by a lottery ball. Um, So that's another aspect of this. It's all very complicated and expect the details to change. This is the NHL. But let's discuss it based on what the rules are that they put forward. And I'm going to start with the one that I think is the softest and I disagree with most. I think 10 spots is still too many. I don't think it should be more than 
six at most seven. That's what I would like to see it. I, honestly, if it, if it was up to me, I'd go five. I just I, ten is ten is too much. Yeah, I I don't love the number. Um, it, it's too many, but th- to me, this is a hill I'm not willing to die on because by limiting it to only a two spot lottery, it kind of mitigates one of the factors that I hated about teams jumping up and like you know the rain that one year Dallas and Philly jumped up together and bumped some good teams down, like good teams, some teams that needed the help down to four, five, six. Yeah, even hypothetically, if spots nine and ten jump up, the worst team still picking third. So it's it's fine. I don't love it compared to the system we just had. I I'm a huge fan of this because I mean the New York Rangers were in the playoffs last year and got Alexi Lafreniere, so that would not have been possible under this system. So got to take the wins where we can get them. So yeah, I'm I don't like it. I'm with you on that, but. I'm, it, it's not a number I'm super passionate about either. Yeah, and I think that take is kind of where I fall. I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Like, if we're going to work under the current structure of the lottery system, which you know you don't have to have been listening for long to know that I'm a huge advocate for the gold plan or something, another alternative. But if we're going to work with this system, these are reasonable changes that I'm happy to see made. Um, that said. <sighs> I think it's a little too little too late, but I, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm fine with it. I like the changes overall. It's also important to note Seattle is going to come in with third best odds this year. So f- there's still an opportunity here for Detroit to get screwed by the three spots that we've traditionally seen them get bumped down by. So don't forget that. That's part of the whole expansion deal. Brad, you Pro- have a point. The prophecy is self-fulfilling. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and especially with what Buffalo is doing right now. Jeez. So the good news for Red Wings fans here is there is absolutely no reality, which was a relief to me because this was my paranoid conspiracy theory for a long time. There is no reality where the Red Wings will be ineligible from the Shane Wright draft lottery unless they massively overperform expectations next year, which would be a make us happy. So if uh, you know the Red Wings are battling for a playoff spot next year, I don't think any of us are going to be that upset. Um. So, you know, Shane Wright and and Brad Lambert and the other top end draft prospects, who is at Matt Savoy's next year as well, I believe, the Red Wings are eligible. Hey, one of those guys isn't even going to be a lottery pick. That's going to be fun. So if the Red Wings finish dead last, they're guaranteed one of them. Um, that's good. I, the two and five years thing, I'm totally fine with that. Like we look at what's happening in Buffalo right now. You, you can't have that. You can't have teams going so nuclear that even when they get the Jack Eichel, they still can't get their shit together. So totally fine with that. I let me preface. I should have prefaced this by saying I'm still very anti lottery. I think it's dumb. But if they're going to do a lottery, which I understand they're always going to and we're never not going to have a lottery. I'm fine with this system. I don't love it. It's got its imperfections, but a team that's on the fringe of the playoffs can't pick first over first or second overall. Fine. Uh, the worst team in the league's guaranteed at least third overall. Fine. Um, I don't know exactly how the odds shake down in this, but and and from a Red Wings centric standpoint, I'm I'm still not sure that this year if they win the draft lottery this year it won't count. 
but I expect the Red Wings to be turning this around in three years anyway. So they better damn well not need to be in five straight lotteries from this point. But yeah, what's what's their worst scenario? Worst case Ontario, they win the draft lottery this year or the number two overall pick. It counts as one of their five. They go into next year and win it again, and then they can't win it for three years. Well, if they get a high pick this year and then win the draft lottery next year, either one of the spots, we're laughing. I don't care about the three drafts after that. The Red Wings will have the pieces to be good. So, yeah, I like from a, from a Red Wing standpoint, this was a pretty good outcome given everything that was on the table. Yeah, and someone summarized it really well on Twitter. With how the loopholes work with if this goes through as is, it does more to hypothetically prevent the Capco Lafreniere situation than it does the McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Hall, et cetera, situation. That can still very much happen. So I would prefer that to be the case. Um, you know, I've had to get rid of one of those two because, like Brad said, it's not fun to watch Buffalo just completely flounder like this. It's actually bad for the sport. But anyhow, uh, we are going to probably come back to that topic as things are finalized we don't have to worry uh i'm sure it's going to change seventeen thousand more times because it's the nhl but for now one thing that remains consistent is the fact that this episode of the winged wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel sportsbook who we are thrilled to partner with as they give us fans what we really need more excitement in the game they're they're america's number one sportsbook for so many reasons FanDuel is easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets withdrawals are quick and easy you get your money back in as quick as 24 hours now listen to this FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to one thousand dollars just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to one thousand dollars back if you don't win your first bet no strings attached if you win you keep the cash if you lose you'll get up to one thousand dollars back in site credit we wish we could bet on games like i mentioned previously like the red wings lightning game i think some people might have caught uh made some money on the Red Wings only losing by one goal. And that would have been fun to uh, use the $1,000 risk free on. Uh, but we're excited that you are able to. So make sure you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with the risk free bet of up to $1,000 and use promo code WWP so they know the winged wheel podcast sent to you. That's the FanDuel Sportsbook app promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. gamblernet in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right, guys. You know what's coming back? That is so nostalgic to me. Like the the chills I got when I heard that again. And then I saw the interview with Gary Thorne going around today. Oh, yes. I didn't even like love. We're going to get into the details here in a second. But like I didn't even love, love, love the ESPN or ESPN's coverage of the NHL around the time it was wrapping up. Like we all saw what was happening. The NHL was kind of moving to the back burner. We would see, you know, I think LeBron was starting his career around that time, or we'd see NBA and MLB highlights over the NHL every day. But the the world of sports has changed, and this is going to be a familiar feeling for a lot of Red Wings fans. So 
the news that came out that's been rumored over the last couple of days and came out today was that the NHL and Gary Bettman has closed up at least one part of its current uh, or its new TV deal in the United States um, with NBC's rights expiring. And so for the next seven years, pulling in about $400 million a year for the NHL, which is double what the NBC, what NBC currently pays for the entire package. Uh, the NHL is going to be, uh, brought to you by ESPN, which is. And ABC and Disney, who knows what they might do with that. Yeah. So the details of it are as follows. So it's going to be about $400 million a year for, uh, that ESPN will be paying. Disney owns ESPN for context here. Um, that's a, a huge boost, and that's the kind of revenue boost that the NHL needed, um, especially considering they have additional TV rights to sell. So the fact that they've already doubled their previous TV deal, that's great. It's great for the league, more money coming in, higher cap, less financial restraints, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ESPN, AB, uh, this applies to ABC slash ESPN. They're going to air for the next seven or for the next seven Stanley Cup finals, and they'll have at least a conference final every year of the deal. They're going to have half the NHL's playoff packages and a bunch of simulcast and megacast stuff, uh, national games. Uh, NHL.TV, as it exists in the United States, is going to be folded into ESPN+. So for those of you who have that package, you're going to have to keep a lookout for ESPN plus over there. Um, I know there's a big bundle with ESPN plus and Disney offerings. That price is likely to go up. I think it's at $12.99 now. Maybe it'll be $13.99, something like that. So those details are still to come, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the deal doesn't impact NHL centerized out-of-market TV packages. So if you have one of those, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but it's it's huge. ESPN, look, whether you like it or not as hockey fans, because obviously ESPN, I don't want to say they didn't do hockey justice, but they they didn't sell hockey as their premier product in the past. Whether you like it or not, ESPN probably has the biggest sports fan base, especially those that aren't currently hockey fans and they're younger. And that is important. You want to grow the game, you get them and you get them while they're impressionable and their brains are sponges and you teach them at the youngest age possible, like Brad is doing with his two kids, that hockey is the greatest game on the planet. And that's what that that is a great opportunity to capitalize for the NHL. Uh, you get it, you get this on ESPN Plus, you get these games on Hulu. Kids are gonna tune in. Younger people, young adults are gonna tune in, maybe those who haven't watched hockey before. It's a tale as old as time. Someone falls in love with hockey either at a young age or as an adult. It's it's just about bringing the game to them. And that to me is the biggest win of all of this. The the broader audience of those potential hockey fans. Uh my big win out of this is the network that brought us Mike Milbury and Mike Babcock will get less games broadcast. So big fan of that. Had to just get that jab in there. I try to play politically correct with these kind of people, but when you're trying to give Mike Babcock a blank slate, yeah, I've got issues. But um, I don't Brad, know. I, I bet it's going to happen on ESPN too. It's going to happen everywhere. Let's at, let's <laughs> sorry, at, buddy. Let's at least see if the grass is greener on the other side. I'm a I'm a. What's the? Uh, you said they're younger in that whole thing, so um. That old phrase, I can't wait for the day teams start playing young players who might be bad versus old players who are bad. I feel like we can translate that to apply here. Um, But yeah, so I mean, it's a ton of money. Great for the salary cap. Um, As fans of the team, 
a team that does willingly spend to the salary cap when they're competitive, great. Um, the Red Wings should be good at some point in this deal, which means they'll probably get more nationally broadcast games, which will be relevant to us, which will be relevant to the playoffs, which hopefully will be relevant to us in the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see a downside here. I, I know they're going to try and milk this for extra money. We might see some exclusive stuff with like Disney Plus or like Ryan already mentioned, ESPN Plus. And there's going to be those things in the age of the paid subscription internet era fine i get it it's coming we just have to accept it i don't know i i see this as a big win i'm curious to see what's going to happen with the rest of the rights because like ryan said i i just assume nbc is going to come in and scoop up whatever's left but i don't know i'm happy so yeah that's a detail that that still has to be worked out um as a fan of the nhl and someone who wants to see the nhl pull in more cash because that means more growth for the game um I'm not so certain NBC will be the choice. So NBC has the the, the right to first negotiate, which obviously um, they didn't take on the whole thing. So they they forfeited at least some degree of that, right? I wouldn't be surprised if NBC, and this was argued on um, The Athletic, I, I want to say by uh, Richard uh, Deich. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Um, NBC is interested. But the thing is they just shut down their sports network like they just they're they're wrapping up nbc sports and everything is getting partitioned out into you know usa network or peacock or whatever it is um it's all pretty complicated they're probably going to want to pick this up if they can get a deal from the nhl and maybe the nhl is a little bit more willing to give that to them because they'll be getting a lesser package than espn has the rights to um and so they wouldn't be paying the full 400 million a year or you know someone like fox sports comes in or someone else comes in like there's there this is the age of uh the amazon buying into streaming services and everything like that like there's a lot of players at hand here and i don't want to get too far ahead but um the fact that there's still an opportunity from the for the nhl to package this out a little bit more is great for their bottom line and it's great for the league's future especially having lost so much revenue to no butts and seats nbc is probably the most likely one here but who knows there's two things i care about the two things I care about, not, I, I'm not talking about dollars here. I'm not talking about the business side of things. I'm not talking about the salary cap. As a fan, two things. One, streaming is reasonable and accessible. Get rid of blackouts. Make it affordable. Show these games to people. Don't make it hard for people to watch your games. People are happy to pay if it's good quality and a reasonable price. They would rather do that than, than stream or, or pirate it. Two, Gary Thorne. Bring Couldn't back you Gary. just edit that in rather than giving us the cell phone version? Yeah, maybe I'll do it in post. You know, maybe they're going to get the actual version. I just wanted to get your reaction, Evan. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely hear it, Ryan. <laughs> you couldn't hear it? Oh, no, not really. That's because yeah, well, he wasn't paying I knew attention. what it was. Bring us Gary Thorne back. He's, what is he, like 75 now or something? But he's expressed an interest in doing it. It's just so much nostalgia, and I just want to ride that wave. He's looking for a job, so it would kind of be the natural pick, I would think. If they're bringing back the theme song, they have to bring back Gary Thorne. If he's up for it, then yeah, absolutely. I'm all I'm all in on there. 
Um, some other news to come around that I mentioned the salary cap. Bettman cons- confirmed that this doesn't, it's not like the salary cap's going to skyrocket up, but it's going to help maintain the league's revenues and uh, keep the salary cap at the very least flat over the next four years or close to flat. So uh, we won't see a big change in the cap, but we can hopefully stave off any more big dips. And I don't know, Brad, did you see the news about the NFL from like 195 to 182, their salary cap? That's like a seven to eight percent dip. Yep. It's the pandemic world we live in, and nobody should be surprised if the same thing happens to the NHL. So this is a this goes a long way to stop that from happening, which is super, super, super important. Um and I know a lot of people who are like, you know, gonna hockey purists, like I I actually think I am, um, are gonna be looking at this and saying, Ryan, why do you care so much about the business side of it? Like, why do you care so much about their their bottom line? Or it's bad that they're partitioning it out. And I'm just like, you, we've seen what or we've seen what the growth of the different major professional sports has done to the landscape of the big four, big five professional leagues. The reality is the NHL is being outpaced by the other leagues, hand over fist. The excitement and how the NBA has managed to pull in young fans is absolutely unparalleled for the future and the growth of the game. So places like Arizona don't fail. So places like, you know, Houston can succeed in the future or whatever it might be. So Seattle succeeds. You need to get this game exposed to more people. So that's why I'm excited about it. Anyhow, enough of me rambling. Any other topics we want to cover before jumping into overtime? Nothing I'm passionate about. All right. You heard that first. Brad's not passionate about anything anymore uh we're gonna jump into overtime here uh and on this midweek episode of the winged wheel podcast it is patreon exclusive our winged wheel podcast patrons are the reason we are able to run the show and do things like draft coverage and things like that throughout the off season so thank you all so much we are going to start with arjun shanker (laughs) arjun says ryan if you don't read my comment exactly it's because you are unjustifiably censoring me uh, if you must cross a course, cross cow across a crowded cow crossing, cross the cross course cow across a crowded cow crossing carefully. Eat it, Arjun. Uh, Honky Town Evan says, it's been a long time since I felt so honk. Maybe last night was his tried to say or assigned to trade for Hork Fist. That's actually funny. I didn't make I didn't see a single Hork Fist pun in there. Uh, Nate Schwartz says, welcome to the Honk the Horn podcast with your hosts, Brad Honk, Crisco, Ryan Honk, Hannah and Evan. That's literally what Brad made his screen name. Yep. Nailed it. For those who didn't watch the game, and maybe we didn't specify, the horn was going off every minute at like the 59, 58 second mark for the whole first period. It was extremely funny. I think at one point they got it down to two minutes, so that's good. Uh, Josh Terrell says, all right, boys, I think it's time to roll out the trebuchet. I'm loading up Nielsen Blash, our reverse retros, Evan's mute button, and the LCA horn. Anything to pile on? Franz Nielsen's contract. um twice i agree on evan's mute button and i will also add in brad when he's uh exasperated covers his hands or covers his mouth with his hands i don't do that anymore not as much no or you keep them away so you're just kind of like doing one of these which is not bad yeah i'm amplifying my anger (laughs) ryan hubbard says good day uh dud duds never realize how hard that is to say uh, question is, do you guys did you guys catch why Larkin was bleeding? The no call. Do you think it should have been a call? Here's to hoping for a good game tomorrow, feeling a W. Thanks 
Uh, thank you to you guys for making me look forward to Sundays and Wednesdays. Let's go Red Wings. As soon as he scored, I ceased to care about everything that preceded it. Was it a high stick? I actually forget what it was exactly. I was I, watched the goal a million times. I literally don't know. Yeah, but they missed something on Larkin. He was bleeding from the nose. But hey, it's Larkin. What is he if not battered and bruised at all times? Also worth noting, maybe he didn't, wasn't playing so hot before the injury because he was banged up. Makes sense for him to come back hot. Uh, blocked by Marco Rossi says, good day mates. Despite some improved wings performances of late, Zadina continues to show steady development in a growing 200 foot game. If Mantha Bertuzzi should get traded, can you see him staying on the top line? Oh yeah, he has to. Easily. There's no one else they can put there. Easily. He should maybe still be there once Bertuzzi comes back. <laughs> uh, Tyrone Bigham's brand of pipes crack pipes pipes says i'm close to giving up on fantasy good job ryan for pushing me to this point i wish we could trade our dj dj for carolina's dj ours sucks dj i love the in arena music i think it's great speaking of uh trading if i have to hear one more pregame john cooper and jeff blashill are best friends and they're so similar if that's the case tampa bay just take blashill we'll keep cooper let's just trade him for one game let's just do it they're the same guy. They've had identical results in the NHL. Same person. Yakaruta says, nice stat for a change. The Red Wings are 7-0-1 when they lead after two periods. Do not check how the team is doing when they go in trailing into the third. I am curious to see how many times they've had a lead in the third period, blown it, and then regained it. Because I feel like it's over half of those games. Really? Yeah, because I, I remember more than a couple game-tying goals in the third this year. So if they haven't lost any in regulation, it means they eventually scored again to win it. So I'm I'm curious on that. English Major says, uh, hey, guys, last week I asked about Keller from Mantha. Weren't too fond of the point production. He's now up to 20 points in 25 games, so we can scratch that deal. Uh, anyways, other than Bobby Ryan, which current member of the Red Wings that might get dealt would you most want to see that win the cup? Other than Bobby Ryan? Uh, Glenny. Thousand percent Glenny. Glendening Helm, because I wish Helm all the success in the world. Bernier, if Bernier gets dealt, one hundred percent Bernier. Yeah, he deserves. I, I don't think Helm's getting dealt. Um, I think it'll be a pretty tough market for him. Bernier would be a, a good one. I don't think Mark Stahl has a cup actually. So he and he's huh. been close. So that would be a good story. Cnod uh, says, uh, trying to understand uh, Blash. Anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to read this on the fly. Something to do with Blash and Svechnikov deserving more playing time uh, from his own outline of how to get more. Is there something else going on? Is it fair to put it on Blash? Uh, Brad touched on it earlier. It's just a lot of confusion. Um, yeah. And we touched on the TV deal. Maria says, tinfoil hat theory. You know what's better? Uh, what's a better job than being the Red Wings head coach? Being a fired NHL head coach. You get paid the same amount to stay home and golf all day. No amount of disgrace will prevent you from getting a new hockey job whenever you want one. So the only downside to getting fired is that you don't currently have a chance to win the cup, which Red Wings. Blashill's figured this out, so he's been desperately piling coals under his own seat and blowing on them. But he only has half a season left, so. Yeah, he's got no contract next year. 
Um, La Plata Peak says Philpla is 36, has five points in 20 games and is a minus four. Svetch is 24, has four points in four games and a minus two. I get why Larkin going back into the lineup cost Svetch's spot in Tuesday's game. In other news, I remember when Blashill's similar demeanor and coaching philosophy to that of Babcock was viewed as positive. Understand that financially it makes no sense to fire Blash right now and doing so probably wouldn't impact the team's record. However, the impact he's having on the development of guys like Svetch and Smith has to be taken into account. We'd love to see what would happen if they made a switch, brought in someone new, and see the difference of the performance of the young guys. For starters, playing in NHL games has to be beneficial in judging NHL performance, right? Yeah, that's the tagline right there. Uh, North Moto, who I believe is a new patron. Welcome. Uh, says, when are you guys going to start live streams uh, and take callers? Had a lot of plans to do that on weekends this year, and we're still trying to find one that works. Um, Brad's kids rudely just take up so much of his time uh but it's still in the plans i mean if if everybody wants them on the stream i can make it happen just about any time <laughs> yeah uh, i there you would not hear the game or me though uh and have we thought about doing nhl live access giveaway i saw this and we probably wouldn't be able to legally get away with that giving away access to one nhl live and plus that's uh now ending uh and it's all region locked as well Weekend at Bernier says, hey, I was thinking to the uh, past when we could do fun stuff and looking forward to the post-pandemic future. What are your usual pre-game dinner spots or watering holes before seeing a game in Motown? It used to be um, – I closed down now. I can't remember the name of the place. Was it Founders? No, Founders is still there. No, remember the chili place where you had all like the the meat – like the they have all like the different meat platters? It was closer to the Joe than it is to the LCA. Mm. I like Detroit Beer Co. Yeah, Detroit Beer Co. is great. I honestly like going to the LCA early. That that uh, This conversation and those places seem like we've never been there. Like, it honestly feels like it was a li- a literal lifetime ago. Yeah, I know. Seriously. I'll probably cry the next time I step in the LCA. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll cry, but it'll probably be for different reasons. <laughs> Once After the game um, starts. <laughs> Evan's massive dump truck full of trebuchets says, looking back at the 2019 draft, rank the following players in terms of future NHL impact. Zegras, Doc, Byram, Cider. Byram, Zegras, tie between Doc and Cider. I have, I might have Doc first there. I, I still really like Doc, but I don't see what everybody else is seeing he's good and he's going to be a top six center no doubt in my mind but is he going to be a top of his position type guy in the league i don't i don't see it i could see zegers being that guy on the wing i do see byram being that at defense and yeah like i look at doc the same way i look at cider just at different positions like really 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 good but like are they going to be winning major awards probably not Jeremy Dahl says, hey, guys, uh, we keep talking about the, how the wings are playing all right, but the third period collapses or even against Tampa, the overtime collapse are killing us. That would probably mostly stem from our talent not being as good. Over 60 minutes, our, our guys or our guys are bound to trail off, right? And also all this talk about losing culture and us becoming Buffalo or Edmonton has me nervous. Is it as simple as getting rid of Blashill? Surely a GM as smart as Eisman can't let that happen to our franchise. It's not as simple as just getting rid of Blashill because for as much as I don't think it's an argument in his favor, like people use it, 
But when people say this team would suck without Blashill, it's true. Like, this is not a good team. This roster has not been good enough to compete for six, seven, eight years. So, yeah, Blashill, replacing Blashill, in my opinion, helps. But Band-Aid on a bullet wound. AJ Voss says, finding out about the possible dog whistles on uh, Grice's mask was disappointing. Asked my German girlfriend and showed her the mask in question, and she was shocked since there's so much education on that imagery that she doesn't believe he didn't know. Kind of surprised there hasn't been a lot of media controversy, but then again, people don't care if you're not outspoken and don't punch your teammates. Yeah, and that last line, I think, is exactly um, the unfortunate point. These kinds of things, you know, dog whistles and and subtle, not so subtle imagery like that, uh, they hide behind plausible deniability and it's an uncomfortable story for media to pick up and it's an uncomfortable people in media can't outright make the accusation because then it's just like, no, it's just a coincidence, that kind of thing. So Brad's anger manifested says, can we petition the NHL to cut all Red Wings games down to 40 minutes? Hey, look, I'm not, can we pick the 40 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kyle Hashman says honk, Glad Rass got to play. No idea how Svetch uh, was out. Kyle is a brand new name level sponsor. Kyle, thank you. And welcome to the Dub Dub family. Uh, he says, as we know, Blash will likely be around until the end of the year. Would there ever be a reason to fire midseason? Yeah, I mean, if it got to like 15 straight losses or something stupid like that, then yeah. I mean, it's a more competitive division, but I mean, two coaches in, in the Canadian division have got fired for less. For whatever that's worth. But again, teams with higher expectations, which I think is the difference. And Ryan's right. This would have to go very off the rails for it to happen midseason. Ghost of Podcast passes. Isn't it weird how you guys have some people from so many different places around the world uh, who support you or give you money to goof around and talk about hockey? Yeah, it's a literal dream for us. You can't tell you how happy it makes us to cover hockey. Uh, the next question is funny because it says, how much money would you have to be given to have all three of you sit around a table in the middle of a crowded room while everyone who listens to your show in that room stares at you while you do the podcast? Um, we That'd would do awful. it now. Yeah, oh. I, I have <laughs> zero issues with public speaking, so this doesn't bother me uh, uh, even a little. We don't know when it's possible, but we are going to do a live recording on this one day. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. And you guys get to see Evan in real time. He doesn't wear pants. Evan, just keep in mind that our average listeners for an episode sell out the Kitchener Auditorium. So that is what is listening to you right now. Visualize it, Evan. Yeah, that's fine. I'm in my office. Everything's (laughs) all good. All right. A lot of people to fit in your office, but we'll get them in there. Uh Brent Rasmick says, "A few real. Ch- uh, what are a few rule changes you'd like to see happen? Yes or no on these? Remove challenges. Yes. Three on three OT until someone scores. Ten minute max. There does have to be a cap for logistical reasons. Remove trapezoid. Yeah, I have no strong feelings towards that one way or the other. Instigating a fight after a clean hit, automatic penalty. Yeah, it already should be. Like it." uh no bringing the puck out of the offensive zone during ot you either dump it in or shoot it on net no i get it uh i think it would just cause more problems if a goal is scored on a delay penalty the penalty should still be enforced yep i agree boarding is automatic five minute major no there's too much gray area there yeah no uh three two one point system always been a fan thousand percent yes remove the whole lottery if you want to have the lottery for the bottom three or four teams or number one pick, fine. Agree. 
thousand percent. Um, Michael Barry says, how do we avoid becoming Buffalo? Is it just drafting, drafting, development, coaching, all three of those things? If there was a simple answer here, Buffalo wouldn't be in this position. Truthfully, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, could a team uh, that are in the bottom with nothing to play for do this? Would it break any rules? Hypothetically, Red Wings agreed to trade Mantha to the Canadians today for Suzuki in a second rounder. Montreal wants to hold on to Suzuki for 14 days while Mantha clears quarantine to not lose a producing player. Once Mantha clears, Canadians enter Suzuki into quarantine. No, the moment the trade's done, they don't belong to the team anymore. Couldn't work. Yeah, even if you didn't complete the trade, wink, um, there would have, like, Mantha would not be an NHL quarantine protocol because he would have to go to Montreal to do that, which is not something that is controlled by Detroit, which would be the team that controlled him. So the NHL would have to be aware of it because he would have to be in the NHL's protocol. And they're going to be like, yeah, you ain't skirting these rules. No chance. The way to skirt this, though. I think everybody would pick up to it right away is you trade Mantha to Montreal for a conditional seventh round pick. And then two weeks later, Nick Suzuki gets traded back to Detroit for a conditional seventh round pick. That would be the way you would quote unquote skirt it. But the NHL would flag that immediately. Yeah. Or Mark Bergevin, if he had any wits about him, would just never do the second half of the deal. <laughs> uh, Callan S says, why is Dick Heiser so bad at passing the puck? Uh, his offensive game has not really ever been there and has completely fallen off and he's barely played the last four years so his timing's terrible Haroon Khan says I don't know if you guys saw Blashill's press conference but it gave me big Babcock vibes does Blashill have his own accent he said the whole reevaluating myself in the summer and it sounded just like Babs I'm probably overthinking but man I can't help draw the similarities scratching Svech and Mantha doesn't seem like him either and he's a Franzen type player let me know what you guys think. Great work, and let's go Red Wings. Yeah, they've always I, I been will, clones of each other. I will just say I remember making this joke several times when Blashill first got hired. Everyone did. He was. That's why we were actually excited about Blashill because we still had a positive impression of uh, Babcock at the time. Terry, driver of Evans Furkwagen, says, Good day, Dud Duds. Terry, the driver here. Do you lads think Chalosky Cider would be an elite line? Still waiting for your banana thongs to go on sale, Ryan. Uh, no, I don't think Chalosky would be a part of an elite NHL pairing, unfortunately. No. If everything goes exactly right for Chalosky and... It's too late for that. And Cider, I it could be good because they do their good. skill sets offset each other well so if the point you're getting at is would their chemistry be good yes do i think chaloski is a top pairing defenseman no do i think cider could be a top pairing defenseman yes so unless you're trying to disperse the talent amongst the defense i don't think they play on the same unit with any regularity but hey maybe put your best left-handed guy with another guy and you put cider your best right-handed guy with chaloski it it could happen but i don't think it would be an elite pairing i think it could be good not elite brad simmons says hey guys going back to the last episode in the slew foot on fabry why are spitting chiclets okay with it it pisses me off also i love how you guys actually explain the rules i didn't hear what they said about it but how is anyone okay with that play um Philip Gassino says, hey, guys, long time, no comment. Uh, I think one of the uh, biggest, if not the biggest obstacle in our rebuild is the fact that we don't have an actual second line C to help develop our really good wing prospects. How can Raymond or Bergeron uh, develop their full potential when they make the wings the next two years if they don't have a good center to play with? Uh, don't think we can draft one to fix this because that won't they won't be ready in time. 
to help develop wingers. Would like to see us trade away our plethora of older wingers, Mantha, Burt, Fabry, to get a below age 26 center like Sorelli. Also think this could accelerate the rebuild without mortgaging any futures. And it would increase it scoring by a lot. What are your thoughts? Value free agent signing. A better than expected progression from Joe Valeno or Michael Rasmussen, or maybe Fabry just sticks at center, which is un- the unlikeliest of them, I think. Uh, and I'm Devin says, how much of a player's impact comes into consideration when it comes to a trade? Is Larkin worth more because of his value to the org off the ice? The NHL announcing the plan to go forward with this year's draft as originally planned. Will first round picks gain or lose value? I th- don't know. I will say, my gut tells me lose value, but I, I do not know because teams could be looking at this going, yeah, good players are going to slip so I could get better value at that pick. Other teams are going to go, we're not prepared fully for that pick and we'll screw it up. So yeah, someone else take it. Uh, and as for do the Larkin Taves types uh, have more value? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt Whip says, how are we feeling about Albert Johansson and Cross Hannes? Uh Big up on Johansson. Cautious optimism with Hannes. His transition to the USHL hasn't been smooth, but he switched leagues, and I think he's had a bit of an injury. So, eh. All right. And with that, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you to our uh, sponsors, the FanDuel Sportsbook, all of our listeners, our name-level Patreon sponsors, the true heart and soul of the show, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Evans Firk Wagon, Taylor Tadgel, Brandon M., Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Evans, massive dump truck full of trebuchets, Greech, Hanali, Hassam Al-Qasem, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, another f- former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, future Hall of Famer Chris Osgood, Honky Town Evan, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minama, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Stan Olson, Trevor Pevavar. Thank you all so much. We will see you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.